0: Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 308 of Cyclocross Radio. On this episode, we are breaking down everything that happened at King's CX this past weekend, and then also talking about the race at Overisa to finish up the ep. Uh, not really much to talk tell you here in the in the in the beginning, just the normal stuff. Go of uh, the uh, become a member of the wide angle podium podcast network to help us support help support this show and all of the other shows on the network wideanglepodium.com we talk a lot about the cx hairs bulletin slack channel in this episode and other episodes if you want to uh, join in on the fun on the slack channel you uh, have to subscribe to the bulletin and you can do that at cxhairs.substack.com, and finally, I've been talking up my uh, my t-shirts. I got my uh, Vanderpool rules. That that shirt has has been popular, and the uh, Wout Me Worry, and then also the uh, Cyclocross Weather shirts, and they're all all available at CXHairsDistro, D-I-S-T-R-O, cxhairsdistro.com. And and here's the deal: every every week I say hey hey I'm gonna be at this race I'm gonna be at kings I'm gonna be at trek I'm gonna bring a box of shirts if you see me, come buy a shirt, and people are like, "Hey I'm gonna buy a shirt when I see you and I say, "Hey, that's awesome. be happy to sell you one and then guess what me and the shirts are never together, and that person and we just don't and it just it just doesn't happen and I think I sold one shirt in the last three weeks just. Not because people don't want them. We're just, we're just, we're just not crossing paths at the right time. So I'm not bringing shirts anymore. So go to the website, the, the links down below in the show notes, and uh, uh, buy these shirts, so they don't have to hear me talking about them in the intros. All right. It's episode 308 of Cyclocross Radio. We've got Michael and Zach and myself. We're talking about Kings and also Over-Isa, and we're. we're all of it, all of it, and we're doing it right now. We're back in the media pit. Uh, we have we have some domestic racing to talk about. We got some international racing to talk about. Uh, Zach, I saw over the weekend, so I, I know what he was doing. He he spoiler opted out of the uh, Nebraska trip. Probably, probably for the best, Zach. And instead uh uh went went to not to Cincinnati, not to Mason, Ohio, but to let me see if I can do this. Uh oh, now I forgot the name already. It's a township. Zach, help me out. Um Damn, I'm gonna have to I, I may have to re-record this whole thing. I'll look for it. Uh <laughs> It was my big intro, and I blew it. I blew it, Michael. What did you do, Michael? Talk to me.
1: I wish I had some sort of fun anecdote about fun stuff that I did this weekend, but I did nothing. I worked. I, w- I watched. I watched a little college football. Watched a little Deerfield, Deerfield there Township.
0: I didn't even have to look. It just popped in there. Tom Scott, the jazz uh, musician, was like taking that spot in my brain where uh, Deerfield Township should be sitting. You all don't know what I'm talking about. That was a green room discussion. Carry on, Michael.
1: No, I got, I got nothing. I, I, I was just eagerly waiting for, you know, Zach's race reports to hear what happened in King CX. Because um, I heard it was kind of a good race. Uh, some, some, some interesting yeah. stuff going on on Saturday. Well, let's do first, first impressions. Zach, first time at uh,
0: Kingswood Park, former golf course turned cyclocross playground. I enjoyed my trip, uh, down to Ohio. Uh, I think, you know, get there.
2: It was a nice weekend. The weather was pretty good. I, it was funny though, cause I got there and it started, it was still drizzling a little bit and you know, maybe that played a little bit into how the course raced for some of the early races, uh, put on my rain jacket or whatever. And then I realized it was like almost 70, you know, the sun even peaked out later, uh, in the day, really nice. Um, I don't know, good spectating course. I think, you know, we had seen video of, the feature they call the camel uh, or what I guess Clara Hansinger was calling the pumpkin this year. Cause they always do on the face towards the finish line. They always do some fun artwork. We had the, was it like the VW sponsorship or the mini, mini. sponsorship one year? Yeah. Mini. Okay. This year they kind of did it to look like a pumpkin um, so that, but yeah, I, that feature is really interesting because, uh, I was telling, um, Bridger, uh, who does what a visual or what is a visual or whatever his Instagram handle is. I'm like, it's just kind of like this vortex that becomes hard to escape and it works really well from a spectating standpoint because you can see a good chunk of the race just hanging out there. There's like that alleyway that riders come through with lots of cheering and then the off camera. So I think from a, you know, from a spectating standpoint, it's kind of like what we like, in cyclocross because it takes a smaller crowd and makes it feel bigger if you're part of that crowd so you come to the event you feel like it's bigger um yeah kind of an interesting course very undulating lots of off cambers you know typical for a golf course there's just so many different off cambers and stuff and all the writers really talked about how it wasn't it was really hard to like find places to put down power and it was really about i don't know that underrated cyclocross skill i always you know again you always talk about like the skills that you take for granted it's the ability to take corners and carry speed through corners i think um but bill kind of you know and i guess curtis white was talking about how there are no decisive places to make moves it's more like you just need to string together sections by applying power being smooth but i I was kind of thinking about this there really is no photographer's bingo at this course, I mean, you can make an argument that there were, fe- but there were no outstanding features where you're like, "I got to get that feature." There was no really rad <laughs> meth van <laughs> and barn. <laughs> there was no flyover at track. You know, there was no of the governor the mansion at at Charm City. Um, so I kind of felt like, I mean, right, you could make an argument. That there were features, but I think it's really like a course that's without kind of definitive features.
0: Well, I I think that yeah, I, true. I think that that the the large camel in the in the middle is probably the feature that people know. But yeah, if you're up close, it's you know just fencing or whatever. You're taking photos. I I, I like this venue. I, I I like this track a ton, and I think that this is a track um, that plays well, but differently in all kinds of cyclocross weather. Uh, So it doesn't really get, we've seen it muddy before. If it's like, if it's just drenched rain, if it's just soaking rain, then it is, it is muddy and there's going to be running sections, especially back in the wooded areas. But what happens most of the time, and, and we've seen some really great races. I remember, uh, Steven, the one time Stephen Hyde, I think, sort of lost his cool a little bit was just because he could not get traction on, on, on these hills. Because if they get a little bit wet, if there is some rain, it's just like super greasy and slimy, and it's really tough to get traction. If it gets muddier, the whole camel just turns into mud, and you're running the whole thing, and you're looking at 11, 12, 13-minute laps. When it's dry, like we had on Sunday, the, the men were doing uh, just under seven-minute laps. Same course, so it's 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 the kind of thing that it really just changes to the conditions, but I don't think it ever becomes bad. Like it's still it still races well if it's like tough riding conditions or just super fast, like we we had on on Sunday. And as a spectator, you know you you saw it, Zach, but you you, you get to the end of lap one and you can look down at your camera and you go, oh, I've taken 200 photos already because you see them like four, five, six times on a lap and then you jump over to the other side of the camel and you get them three, four more times on that second half of the lap. It's so to cover the race is great. As a spectator, it's great because you can stand at the top of you're right, that, that tractor beam that just pulls you to that that huge hill in the middle and you can look over one side and see the first half of the race, look over the second side and see the second half of the race. And if you're up there, you can also just turn your head, you see the planks and you see the finish. So um, just from a, a rider and a spectator uh, aspect, I just I just love it. I think it's, it's a great place for cyclocross. I think that the organizers do a great job. Uh, Jerry Hayes, he's the guy that, designs the course and always changes it up and is a really thoughtful guy I, I i love all the different changes that he puts into it every year so good stuff
2: yeah i agree i think that your point is a great one that it looks it it raced well it looks like it rides well it's a course that can be good in any conditions and it brings out you know different skill sets it's obviously got that mud that doesn't get it's just slick it's an ice rink right um when it does get muddy um but yeah definitely the kind of course that I personally would love riding like would love to just get a bike out there and go rip some of these corners and the undulations and the off cambers and stuff um just looks really fun and a really good event I mean again uh my only complaint again on porta potty watch I'm pleading with race organizers to really don't put porta potties behind the like If you saw the crops that we did in our finish line photos, part of that right over the right shoulder of the finishers was a porta potty, and it was teal, aqua, whatever color. There's one on the other side too. Pleading, just think about your finish line photos. I don't know. (laughs) That's my that's my that's my 2023 take of of finish photos. The
0: the the asset that would be great that I don't think any US races do. Scott Page comes close with the Full Moon Vista box truck at the at the end of the uh or at the start line, so it's always in the background. The and yeah, you know, I I I try to coach people to post up after the finish line like far after the finish line so it's framed by the trust. It never works. Nobody nobody ever does it. You know, I mean Curtis has this whole routine that starts like 200 meters away and then ends at like 50 meters from the line. Uh, What the, to, to harken back to an old show that used to be on this feed about what they do or may not do in Europe. What the things that they did do was that they always had a start line truss as well as a finish line truss. So you, in the background of all your photos smaller framed beautifully would be the exact same information, your sponsor, your race, whatever. And then the racers would come through it and it just will look nice. So, so start line, start line trust. That's the, uh, that's the next asset for, uh, cash strapped races to invest in. Yeah. Well, as I told, uh, Frank deal though, if my only complaint is about
2: port-a-potty placement, I think you put on a pretty good event. So,
0: yeah, another thing uh, just to, to mention about this event is the earlier UCI races, men's and women's junior races. They uh, This was a race just by agreement that all of the junior programs or men, I shouldn't say all, uh, you know, several of the junior programs decided this was the one that they would send their athletes to along with others that some may or may not go to, they were going to make a point all come to Cincinnati so that uh, there was a, enough head-to-head racing in those age groups to figure out who's looking good and who may deserve a, a spot on on the world's team. you know that, that kind of stuff happens now. so so that selection process was, happening at this, this race. It's, it's not definitive. There are still many ways for people to make the world's team, but this was a great first opportunity to sort of have everybody under the same roof racing together to, to, to see where people are standing as, as we already are starting to look. It's amazing that, you know, we're already looking at, at January and, and worlds because the season as it always does is, uh, (laughs) quickly, 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 uh, Coming, coming to at least a, a domestic end in in North America.
1: So, yeah, Should I want talk to talk about, about bike racing. This is I wasn't there, so I just kind of have to go off. You know, hit me with some hit me with some body queries. Well, like, what what questions do you have? Because I you well, always no, ask great I don't questions. Know if I have a question. Well, okay, so I got the bulletin email in my inbox Saturday night read the report, was excited to have it, great photos. I get to the last photo. Actually, no, I saw on Instagram was the photo of the finish and Clara sprinting for the win. And I was like, I've never seen that before. I've never seen a two-up sprint or that I can remember, but I've also never seen that look on Clara's face. I've photographed Clara a bunch. I've shot a bunch of video of her at a few different events. So I've looked at her face while racing a lot. And she always is sort of like, this is hard, but I'm getting through it. We're under control. We're just kind of grinding along. We're doing it. We're doing a little glow plug. We're going. What we're doing our thing. It's it's tough. That face of exertion that you captured was that that was you, Zach? Right? That was your. That was that was Bill?
2: Bill was the Instagram.
1: Okay. I had the one in the race report, but we were yeah. standing lit. I was over the top of him, so it was basically the <laughs> but same. But just photo. just it was a great <laughs> shot because it, it it really told the story that Clara really had to put in an effort. And she was really going for it, and she got the win. And you can see that Isabella had, at that point had resigned herself to second. But that photo told a lot, and I was very excited to dive into the race report. So I'm now even more excited to hear you sort of give us sort of some juicy bits from that race.
2: So that's a good point. I mean, I think if there's one overarching theme, I just don't, I don't think anyone domestically is in cyclocross shape. <laughs> You're right. She, I have other photos of her just tearing her face and it. it wasn't the, the smile, right? We all know the Clara smile, like under control. Um, I think that she really had to work and, you know, on Sunday she admitted, she's like, I was tired. I had nothing. Um, you know, but she was also like doing road races in Europe, like three four weeks ago or three weeks ago um you know the other gra- different kind of gravel um but uh it was a great race so it was the i mean if we're being blunt i think it was the best elite women's race of the season by far I, period i mean of that we see right either domestically or the televised belgian races i mean maybe one of laura verdon's shot's Six wins in a row was a banger. I don't know. Um, But (laughs) had to get that in there at some point. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, it was like, uh, so Lizzie Gonzalez, good to see her back. She starts fast. Isabella is like, I'm all about this jumps on her wheel and then towards the end of the first lap Isabella just drops Lizzie so she's out there uh, and this is really the big difference between Saturday and Sunday she had about a 12 second lead um Clara was I was sitting like sixth ish during the first lap and so then at early in the second lap she bridges up to Lizzie they ride together for a hot second but they keep that gap at like 12 seconds so then Clara starts to do little glow plug things she starts you know she gets away from Lizzie closes the gap I think with two to go ish I think her and Bella were together, so it was coming up on two to go. She kind of closed the gap in the second half of the lap and then and and maybe maybe Bella could have played this different, but she just sat on claire's wheel i mean it was just sitting on claire's wheel, and uh you know one of the great things about this we think back to the uh Cincinnati elite men day one with the infamous barrier hop into the into the ground from Carrie Werner is that like a really interesting finish because you go up the camel, you go down the camel, and you go over the planks, and then you hit the the finish for this long uphill sprint. It is a great finish. It is a long uphill sprint You know, finish. It's a drag race. It's got enough slope that, I don't know, perfect slope. I like it. It's a good, good great finish. Um, it was a great race to the finish. So, I mean, basically, both of them were like, we're not good sprinters. So we want to be there first. Uh, and so Bella, right before the camel, she makes this great pass, passes Clara. And you know, so Clara is kind of in trouble. And um, to her credit, she you know tries to pass uh up going up the up the hill, up the steep little incline, and Bella kind of shuts that down. Um but coming out of it, and I think I loved you know having watching Over Isa, the parallels um to A move on a hill like a a choice of an inside line perfect parallel great connection between european and domestic racing um so the line that everyone was taking was to stay high and then sweep down with lots of speed to carry out of it and claire is like well you know i yeah that's faster if no one's there but there's this inside line and i think it's it really came down to like savvy. I think it really came down to experience. And she's like, well, if I get to the exit first, it doesn't matter how fast Bella's going. If I get there first. So we didn't really see it, but you know, she talked about it uh, after the race. She took the inside line, was able to cut her off, make the move on the inside. And then she had the pole position. You know, she was able to get back in, let out the sprint and Bella couldn't come around. So it was a great finish. You know, it was awesome that, it's kind of a finish before the finish, but there's room for moves to occur. Like it almost wasn't a finish before the finish. It was a dynamic feature that moves could be made on. Uh, and I think that's really neat about how that played out. It was great finish. Awesome. Best race, you know, two great competitors going at it. And
0: yeah, it was cool to see. I think if you get over the planks first and are smoothly back on your bike or smoothly accelerating out of the planks, that's pretty much the finish before the finish. I would, argue it's tough i mean i know we saw carrie do it in that in the um post that i put up but uh i I think it's it's a tough one to be able to 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 come around the thing that i liked about that and yeah we we were able to kind of see it but it kills me i wish i wish i wish i could split myself in half and just be able to go down there and film that and then also be at the finish because it's it's always exciting down there and and i what i thought was a lot of fun was that both of these are seasoned uh european racers they've they've done a lot of time over there in 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 the belgium belgian mud and in 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 a clean racing way it was it was elbows out for that last lap and it was not giving inches into corners and it was fighting for corners and that's uh that's what made it that much more exciting it was um isabella who even though she's not very old, as, as been around the block uh, once or twice, and you know, won a world championship, knows how to hold off people and and win races. And she was using, as Zach said, those defensive uh, maneuvers to try to hold her off after making a great pass to to have the upper hand. And Claire was like, uh, "No way! I I've done this too. I I know how to, the, you know." put myself on a world cup podium. So I got some moves of myself, my own, you know, we, we think of Clara of one way of these, you know, slow starts and just sort of slowly making it back there. So it's sort of to go with what you were saying, Michael, about that face at the end, it was really cool to see that kind of aggressive, uh, competitive side of Clara who was like, okay, gamesmanship aside, this is what I need to do to win this race. And she was able to execute it and pull it off. So yeah, I, I, I agree with Zach of, of all the races we've seen this definitely just for that last lap or so, just the, the quiet build up to that, to that last quarter lap where it was just all out was, was pretty great to watch.
2: Yeah. And I think in, uh, you know, her post-race interview, I think it was kind of like peak Claire. <laughs> she was like, yeah, you know, I didn't want to panic. Um, so I tried to pass her and she, she shut me down. But that's okay i still had one more feature but then she was like then i was like and i was like i've never heard claire make that noise before like so she actually like got into it but i think it was just that very analytical claire hansinger i think you know when we've seen her at her best it's that unflappability of not panicking of the ability to process a lot of information i think we always talk about her as a very cerebral racer which i mentioned to her and she's like "Eh, okay maybe a little um you know, but to like process, okay, I still have two more opportunities before the planks. And even if, even if I don't make that pass on the hill, what if I clip in quicker? You know, she's like just analyzing in real time her opportunities, but also, you know, she does her homework. I think that um, I was doing, uh, I, want, I eventually there will be a story about 2019 Jingle Cross. I think it's going to be a great story when it comes out, but we were chatting about that and, you know, we we're talking about her move where she, everyone went to the left in the sand, and she went to the right and she was passing all kinds of people. Cause she was just like, yeah, I watched the men do it and it was faster, <laughs> you know, just a very good cyclocross mind. And I think you saw that it was interesting in that interview um, to hear it break it break down. And I mean, frankly, I think it's a good learning experience for Bella. I think she probably realizes that like, Oh yeah. Okay. Well, that's a corner. That's a line that I should protect. And, you know, next time that she's in that situation, I think it'll be, it'll be a good learning experience for her. And the next time that there's a corner like that, I don't think she'll, I don't think she'll leave the door open.
0: When you were talking to Lizzie Gonzalez, cause I think this is a question that people have. I'm not sure that how much of the details are out there last year. She raced for Steve Tilford last, you know, the post normal team. She's now racing for her, university, at least at this point, back in a Marion kit. Did you ask her at all about the, about the change team change? I did not. Okay. Yeah. Something, something we can get down the line, but just, I, I don't think people, I think there are, there are people who have been wondering why, you know, Lizzie hasn't been out at these races and why she's not with the Steve Tilford team anymore. Obviously she is no longer on that team, but she's still racing and, and racing for Marion and maybe maybe down the road, we can uh, fill in the, fill in the holes on that, that story as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was good to to see her out there. I think that she's another rider. She's like, eh, if it's a cyclocross race, I'm going to start fast. And I think it really benefited her. You know, I mean, this has been the year of like, if you can hop on a good wheel, ride that baby to a good result. We saw Sydney McGill perfect it. Uh, and she did it too. But I mean, she was also able to go race collegiate mountain bike nationals and I don't know. Just it kind of interesting talking to her, and she said it was uh, to quote one of the most fun weekends she's ever had racing bikes. And I think I just we look at these young kids. She's you know had so much pressure on her. I mean you know she's she was winning national championships at like age ten or whatever. You know I remember interviewing her when she was like thirteen or fourteen, winning in Hartford, um, and just being able to enjoy bikes. I think. And, you know, hopefully she can string together with this late start, but you still like to see for these young kids get the opportunity to to be, I don't know, to be college kids and find that joy and happiness in in bikes. And so it was cool to hear. Her. And she seems very happy at these races. I saw at Indy, too, and she just seems like in a good place. And I think we'll see good stuff from her um, as she gets into her cyclocross fitness this
0: season. Nice. All right. Anything else on day one for the women's race? Uh. Isabella's sister Ava Holmgren in fourth place. Another Canadian, Janaya. Is that am I pronouncing that correctly? Francis? Works for me.
2: Yeah, that was a that was actually a great race. Yeah. I mean, that was that was the race. Like Emily Shields was in there. She ended up in sixth. But I mean Emily and uh Janaya had actually dropped Ava at one point. It was like, oh, and you know, Emily, I think wanted that top four top five and she was throwing some haymakers in there i mean i you know and, but ava was able to kind of battle back and eventually get into fourth so fun little battle um for some of the young riders and then emily being kind of the it was a, i think julia was calling it mother henning it uh being the running the pony camp uh emily was running the pony camp and i think she did a good job of that and still got a nice sixth place result
0: yeah and i, I think people also may be wondering uh just about ava holmgren in fourth place she was somebody that you know last year and even years before that we always would have stories just about the the twinning effect between the the two of them isabella and ava and who was going to win and who was stronger this week and it seemed like uh throughout their lives and their racing careers it was always you know one was a little stronger than the other one was a little stronger uh, ava broke her collarbone i believe 6 weeks ago right around there maybe a little longer and it's just coming back just getting back in into racing form so um if fourth place in this race but I I would have to assume that she will be back in form and um moving up in the uh in the standings in Yeah, let's not
1: forget she finished second at the CX world Championships. You know, behind her sister. Yeah, right, <laughs> behind her sister. I, can Correct. I a quick yeah. point on and I I just forgot that Isabella Holmgren finished seventh at Copenger Cross last year. I completely have forgotten that. And just looking at her results, and just because, you know, because I, I wanted to ask, I kind of wanted to ask this question, Zach. Isabella Holmgren, you know, day two, spoiler it, takes the win. Can't really call it a statement, can we? She's already made the statements. It's an elite race. She's made a lot yeah, of statements. She's made a lot. I just, I'm statement. Where do you rank this statement, Zach? C two, domestically in the states. She's won an elite uh, C two before. Any sort of statement at all,
2: uh, man. I I don't know. I just it's it's hard to say yes. I think like I, I d- just Clara was just like non fact. So it's hard to say that like she came out and like on a day when Clara was really racing her best. And I don't think Clara looked super like peak form on day one either. If like with what we saw, with Mag- if that was Magli Rochette and Isabella went out and just dropped a bomb on Magli Rochette, I would say statement, but I just, I don't, you know, Clara has long-term goals. She literally came off like this, uh, like an 18 million year long road campaign. Um, but I will say this. I mean, so Bodhi was texting us, and he was like, mechanical? What's up? And uh, Bill was like, yeah, no. I mean, that was legit. The time gaps you're looking at were legit. For day two. No, she just went out. Day for day two. Let's just, yeah, we'll just do yep. day two yeah, since no, Bodhi brought it up. Resetting the I stage. Mean, uh, and I, for me, I think, like, I, again, so I will just to frame this, I think we look at like Zoe Baxted to me, you know, was last year was the defending world champ in her first year, and she was, you know, doing top six sevens in European cross. Uh, Isabella looked incredible on Sunday, and for me, having seen her a bunch, I will say the first time this year that she looked like an absolute superstar and she absolutely lit the place up, and it was an incredible performance, and I think. I think it's a harbinger. I think she's getting into her cross form, and I think she's starting to realize what she can do. I, I, I'm just kind of curious. Would be curious to hear. I didn't ask because it just occurred to me, but you know, did you take from Saturday? Like, may, hey, maybe she should have attacked Claire a little bit more. Should you have tried to put pressure on her instead? She was like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna go out as hard as I can and I'm just gonna race my bike." And, and Bill, you were there. She looked amazing.
0: She. It, it looked like I am not comparing her to Matthew Vanderpool, but those races where he would just kind of take off and then just. Tempo at everybody else's like limit uh, for the rest of the race. That's kind of what she looked like. Like she was just in that zone, just flow state, just nailing every feature, never really having to, to slow down or break or whatever. And it was just like just flying around that course. Of course, a little, little, like tiny little changes to the course from Saturday to Sunday, but I think that made it even flowier and faster. So they, uh, you know, it just, yeah, it was, it was, it was cool to see, but it was. Uh, who was going to win that one was over. There was not, there There was not a, anything that can happen from any power in the world that was going to, to change the outcome of that one.
2: Yeah. I think that, you know, I, I made the comparison with how the time gap stayed at like 12 seconds on Saturday. It did not stay. It, it was never even remotely close. It took Claire a lot longer to even get up to the group. So there was a group with Lizzie, Janiya, Ava, and then it took Clara like a lap and a half, two laps to even like bridge up to that group. Um, And then she was just kind of sitting on the back. And meanwhile, the gap is just, you know, (laughs) doing the time gaps is just growing. So it was just, yeah. Uh, Over pretty quickly. Um, Lizzie started fast. I think Lizzie got a good, good toe for the first half lap or so. Um, But then, yeah, Isabelle was phenomenal. It was an impressive performance. And like Bill said, like she was just nailing everything and the gap was growing um yeah definitely outside the realm of anything it was well outside the uh anything can happen in cyclocross zone
1: should
2: we move on to the men's
1: yeah i will let me mean, let's move on to saturday because i mean he did it folks curtis white did it the i love it that like and the the best part about this this victory for curtis white like Obviously, good job, Chris. We're happy you win a race. But the best part is how we are involved in this win, how the Hairs Bulletin is involved, how all of us, specifically Jan Buxton, uh, friend of the show, friend of the Bulletin, uh, frequent commenter, lots of good insight, and has all kinds of facts, can research anything for us, has pointed out, I think he was maybe the first one a long time ago, that Curtis had not had to see one victory yet and i think Jan even likes to you know laura verdant shot c1 victory curtis white zero c1 victory sort of pointing out yeah pan am championship win you know higher yeah. than a c1
2: <laughs>
0: national championship win higher than a c1 but never never like more more c2s probably than he yeah. can count but never a c1
1: Yeah. I mean, like, like, like you said in your bulletin, Zach, like Curtis White's been winning races like forever. Like, you know, he's been, you know, since he was a a, a youngster winning elite races, but never been a C1. And um, so how did how did the race play out on Saturday for the men?
2: Well, first, though, this is a good opportunity to hype the bulletin. If, you're, if You would have known this, actually. So there were some people who followed us on Instagram who were surprised. Um, if you are a bulletin subscriber, we do have a Slack channel, which is always super enjoyable um, that you get access to as a subscriber. So you would have known uh, that Curtis White was chasing this um, C1. There, there was a monkey on his back. He was ch- this, this white whale that he was chasing. But even better... Even better is a little bit of inside dirt that we learned. Uh, so we, Bill, to his credit, can I tell the story, Bill? Yeah, so Bill, to his credit, before my post-race interview, he primed the pump a little bit. He was like, hey, Curtis, there's this guy named Jan Buxton, and he's just been he's been letting us know that you've never won a C1. And and Curtis dropped a little nug. He was like, I, I pop in on the Bulletin Slack channel from time to time. You know, I hadn't, hadn't really thought about it, but... I know Jan is, and I know what he's been—he's been laying down. Uh, so, <laughs> that was an l- interesting, little, fun, little conversation. And then in in the race report, Curtis—you know, because he's the mayor—Curtis is the mayor. Uh, you know, he he gave us a good quote. Said that uh, Jan Buxton's been living in his nightmares for for years, and he was finally able to to <laughs> to get that monkey off his back.
0: So good race on day one, though. Nice. uh you know, we had we had a battle on our hands. How do you feel
2: about cyclocross group Love rides? Em. Love to see them. Okay, well, because first half of this race was a cyclocross group ride. I think we had upwards nice. of fourteen people at the front, and it it had strong vibes. Bill, do you you were there? Do you remember the Reno Cross, the like the ten person group ride, the ten person field sprint? at Reno Cross in like 2018 maybe. Like the first half of that race definitely uh had those vibes, but at the same point I think, you know, let's be honest, Curtis was supposed to win this race. Everyone was looking at Curtis. Can I
0: just say one thing about about Reno Cross that I always found funny was remember everything that was interesting about nationals at Reno? Gone. Take that out of the course.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We well, couldn't get lights back up on the hill.
0: <laughs> and then just ride around the infield a lot and make it a little a little greasy so uh Lance Hayda can have this the uh race of his uh <laughs> Yeah. Of that point is his career. But yeah. I just I was always found that funny. Yeah. I was like, yeah, Reno's pretty cool. We had a little section, we had a little off camber back there, and these neat little sections was like, none of that.
2: Well, fun little tidbit too. I think that was the first race where Magalie beat Katerina Nash, too. So fun little trivia i think if i remember correctly Katerina had a mechanical but anyway it doesn't matter she beat her there um so i Curtis was supposed to win this race curtis knew he was supposed to win this race i mean curtis i still can't get over that curtis is like 28 29 now it's still for some reason i just have it stuck in his memory of you know him, him being younger but but he's also been around forever you're like is he always young um, but he curtis was definitely running the pony camp here we had a lot of first and second year u23s you know like caleb swartz at like age 25 was like the old man of the front of this race um so basically everyone was like when is curtis gonna attack and so he he stuck around um didn't really stick his neck out and then he really started to ratchet up the pace about midway through the race and it was uh get on curtis's wheel or don't get on the podium for
0: those for those youngs yeah, it was funny, and, and it, just to go back to the to the start, you know, we, we talk about uh, Scott Funston and his—he's uh, he's kind of the whole shot king for for domestic cyclocross around here. But uh, Ian Ackert was out there racing, racing in the in the elites, and uh, Ian can do a do a fast start of his own, and uh, just coming around. And the nice thing about kings is there really isn't ever a bottleneck there's really no bottleneck you because and they start the start is super wide you have just you know you're on the road on the pavement really wide barriers and then they turn onto the grass and still wide they go to pit one still wide and and there's really never anywhere that it's just going to be a complete pinch point but scott funston i swear was like dude this is this is my job and he was just like half wheeling him that whole way, just just waiting to get out in front. He's like, "I make the tempo." We've all agreed to this, and and Ian, Ian wasn't having any of it for a while. I found that just found that humorous. Yeah, I mean, Ian set the pace
2: for the whole first lap, and even had like a quote unquote gap. He had like a couple bike links that constituted a gap when you look at it in context of there being no gap <laughs> uh, in that group. So i mean curtis starts to ratchet up and i think it went down to four if i'm remembering it was uh, marcus shelton uh it was Ian ackert and it was funston Funston. um no swartz funston got dropped funston did not make the group it was caleb on saturday um no
0: am i wrong well, Funston finished fourth, and Caleb finished fifth. Oh,
2: he came back, okay. so they they started riding together. Oh, okay. yeah. So the initial the initial I break. got you. Yep, yep. So okay, they were sorry. thirty seconds
0: down at the end. I, I apologize. Yes, continue. Okay, I'm trying. It was two days. Yep. It's okay. No, we, it's I, I was different. I was I was kidding with you before if you were going to be able to tell the days apart, and I'm the one that didn't. <laughs> it happens. It's all good.
2: Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So then Caleb drops off. Funston missed the boat, and it was Curtis. And then basically. Curtis dropped Ian and Marcus and they kept it close. I mean, you know, what Curtis was talking about, like you don't make, I I don't know that I'd ever seen Curtis make a big, massive move. Curtis loves races where it's just like, I'm going to power for 20 minutes and good luck. Like you might be able to stick on my wheel for two minutes, five minutes. 10 minutes uh you know in these kind of races he's like uh but can you stay on my wheel for 20 minutes and you know he eventually got the gap and was able to to hold on to it and great race between so curse wins great race between ian and marcus and bill you were talking about the barriers the barriers uh propelled so basically ian could hop the barriers marcus couldn't Marcus knew this, and Ian was like, "I just got to keep it close." Hopped it, pulled around first into the sprint, and took second place. So great finish! Um, it's cool to see, you know, two young riders. Ian Ackert is a first year U twenty three. Shelton, I think, is a second year U- for U twenty three. So g- great opportunity for the kids. Score some C one points. Do some great racing, and uh, have a great finish. Uh, and then, yeah, so then Funston and Swartz were riding together. Funston won that. And then I think Luke Valenti and Casey Hildebrandt were riding together. And (laughs) I was giving Casey a hard time. He's he's a great supporter of what we do and everything. But I was like, dude, you had such a frustrating beginning of the season. And they were so close. And they weren't able to bridge up. But uh, that was the race. That was Saturday. The group ride turned into the uh, Curtis White coronation.
0: Yeah. And uh, not much really changed on uh, Sunday, did it? I would say the dynamic was
2: different. So you talked about, uh, we saw the return of happy fun ball. Uh, he did work. uh, He just went hard. He went ballistic, um, in the beginning of the race. And the result was that it was not a group ride. It was get on the group or be left behind. And it was a little bit different. So we had funston white Luke Valenti was in the mix was Shelton there. I think he might have been fourth. Caleb might have been in that. I don't really remember who was in that group. Um, Ian Ackert did not have the same level of day that he did, um, but it was the same story. Curtis ratcheted up, uh, and then Funston, Funston finished second, and then Luke Valenti finished third. So it was kind of the same story, really nothing different except that Funston denied the, the hanger. Funson kept the, 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 riffraff and the hangers on out of the, uh, the lead group to make it, to make it a smaller group.
0: It, uh, Luke Volante is a guy who's been showing up to all of these races. It's been fun to, to watch him. Uh, Michael, I, I uh, Zach interviewed him after the race and I, I, had one question that I wanted to ask. And, um, I, I, am just gonna, I'm gonna out him here. Zach let me down. So he, he has his homework, uh, set up for him in, in coming, coming weeks. I got the answer. Oh, you did get the answer. Yeah, you did not let me down, Zach. <laughs> Thank you. I, I went back. I went back. Were, like, I saw him. The- I saw him ride off. So I. I this is a a maya culpa right here, Zach. I am sorry. You actually got on it, chased him down, and got the answer to the most important question about Luke Valenti. I'm I'm ready to hear it. What is it? Well, well, he has his his warm up. That was the first place that I saw this, and then it's also on his kit proper right on his che- uh, on his uh, upper chest, it, it, it has his name. It's a personalized kit and a personalized warm up. And Luke Valenti on his kit has the name Kenny. It just says <laughs> Kenny on his kit. And I was like, and he finished, and Zach finished with his interview, and I went up to Luke. I was like, did he make it through that whole interview and not ask you about Kenny? And Luke's head just, like, dropped. He was like, oh. And I was like, well, that's a story. That's a story that needs to be followed up. So hopefully I didn't build this up too much, Zach. I
2: I was hoping it'd be like, he's like, man, Kerry Werner's my hero. Like, I know that Carrie doesn't race cross anymore. This is my homage to to Carrie. It's his clothing sponsor. It's a French Kenny? clothing company that's his clothing sponsor. Just
0: named Kenny. That's amazing. I love it. It's the best thing ever. I'm over here. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why his head just sunk. Because he's like, damn it. People keep calling me Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that made my day. I'm glad you followed up. I appreciate it's teamwork.
2: I appreciate, you know, sometimes things get overlooked and as the, we're a team and you were like, Hey,
1: make sure you jump on that. And I did. So. Excellent. Excellent. Well, he, he's been doing, really I'm well. sorry. Can he, uh, Luke Valenti won tour de Bose. tour de Oh yes. boy. Yeah. All right. He's a legit okay. roadie. Okay.
0: All right. All right. Props to you, Luke, which I think is basically what he told Zach. He's like, ah, I'm really a road racer. <laughs> Wasn't that kind of the gist of it? Uh, yeah, interesting. Well, it's fun. But yeah, yeah, strong, strong racer. Uh, yeah, Marcus Shelton, also the uh, you know bear, bear team guy, uh, looking really strong out there. It's fun to see that. Another you know uh, you did mention it before. Just those young guys, and then fifth place on day two was my dark horse, Tyler Orschel, uh, who was not. Part of the uh, festivities on day one because he came around, I believe it was pit two with most of the course tape wrapped up in his cassette. I'd say a good good majority of it, and uh, I, I I don't know exactly what happened. I, I I don't even know if he had a pit bike, but he was he, it, it was it set up to be the perfect cyclocross nerd moment in that he rolled halfway into past the pit like was in the middle of the pit but not in the pit and then it just I think became an issue and it sort of rolled up into his cassette and everybody's yelling at him to turn around and go into the pit entrance because as we all know it's UCI race he could just go backwards because he hadn't gotten past the second the pit exit yet i don't know if he didn't know or didn't hear them or what but then he just kept going and uh and then just uh realized he couldn't ride his bike anymore and then just turned around and went into the pit exit and dnf'd dumber but uh yeah so that's that's why we didn't see him and then on day two kind of just sort of like hung out for a little while and then was just doing this uh this drive up from kind of mid pack into the into the top five by the end. It's just kind of like picking off people. So hopefully we'll see Tyler some more.
2: It was good to see him. I don't I don't think that I had seen him or remembered seeing him since he uh did the Canadian thing where he won our collegiate nationals in Chicago in twenty twenty one.
0: Well, I, the only reason he was really on my radar was from North Carolina last year, where he was second place, I think, both days to to Carey. Okay, I probably said the same exact
2: thing then. <laughs> I was like, oh, good to see him again. Um, one thing I did forget, uh, you know, we're talking about, like, homages or whatever. Um, so a little, a little bit more levity, but Emily Werner was riding with uh, an inflatable duck or a little rubber ducky on her handlebar in honor of Zoe Clay and they're actually doing a GP Zoe clay down in North Carolina in their local series. And so I was asking her about it and, um, she's like, yeah, it was, you know, so wrote with her on her hand and she's like, you can expect to see a lot of ducks. Um, so little kind of moment of, of levity and, um, you know, cool to see Emily paying homage to a fellow. North yeah. Carolinian, I think
0: levity, uh, but also just remembrance. Yeah. And I, I, I knew that the duck, uh, the ducks were coming out, so I, I do think we're going to see see more more ducks out there on. Uh, What's impressive bikes. though is uh,
2: I will say this: like uh, I've gotten really gotten to know Emily Shields a lot, uh, especially in the last year, especially, um, and she's one of the nicest people I'll ever meet, but like no one accessorizes like <laughs> Emily shields, Emily, like, uh, you know, she's, you know, her cause she's got the pink and the green or whatever, but like her helmet is purple to match the kit. She'll have earrings that match perfectly. You know, you look at like the band on her, you know, her Garmin watch and it'll accessorize the duck had a little purple helmet on and it was the most adorable thing ever. So like kudos to Emily for going the extra mile. Um, and also, just being like, if you need advice on accessorizing, like she's she's your gal, because um, she always has it dialed.
0: All right. Any other questions about uh, King CX, Michael? No. Great event. If you haven't been there before, uh, put it on your put it on your calendar for next year. Get out to get out to Kings. It's a good one. Deerfield Township. Overisa. Should we talk about Overisa? I think we should. I I mean. Zach, can we get a? Since I asked you about your impressions of the uh, track at um, Kings, can I get your impressions of the track at Overisa?
2: <laughs> I was I was live texting these guys my impressions. I, you know what? After I think my initial impressions, like I'll say this: I remember when Overisa was elevated to World Cup. You know, this is the mother of all crosses. And I was like, no race deserves the shine more that it's going to get from this. You know, you have like the hill with that descent. We saw Puck Peterson just absolutely school everybody in the mud on this descent. You have the forgotten cobbled climb, the not in cobbled climb. You've got that little you got that little, you know, great photo photographers, bingo, little old church or whatever at the end of the race. And in recent years, you've got the grapes, uh, just lots of features that make this a great course. In past years, I remember one year when it was still a non-classification race, there were these crazy descents. I mean, listen to Brand, like the year she won, she ate it like five times on these descents because they were muddy and it It was a December race. and It was crazy, like none of the iconic features were there this year. But then I watched the race. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's still there's still the rut. So, the famous, probably the most well-known rut in cyclocross was still there. Um, but it's still a crazy hilly course. It was still a really challenging course. Um, but I want to talk about the the feature with the off-camber with, like, the triple stone entrance as it's getting wet into an off-camber that just absolutely went to shit. Like, a little dangerous? Talk about dangerous features. Like so, the the muddy off camber, right? The one the most challenging off camber. The entrance to it, there was like stone. Like it was stone paths right before the entrance to the. I it so it's like you had to scrub speed and then like go into this off camber that was all kinds of crazy. And we saw riders taking different lines and kind of like kicking pushing through there. Yeah, I mean it, it's. Am I the only one? To, maybe maybe
1: this didn't exist. Am I maybe the stone didn't exist? I mean, I mean off camber with there. the giant rut. Or, yeah, I mean, I, I don't yeah. know. I guess you didn't see that part of them going down. I don't know. Maybe I, I, that's one thing I don't...
2: No, 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 that, not the not the one that goes down, on not the big rut where they were railing it. It's I, the off-camber towards the end where they were kind of, like, Lars would go on the low line and the other guys were, like, kind of kick-pushing on the
1: top of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't recall no. the entrance to that, but it seems very typical of Belgian cross where you do that sort of dirt to dirt to pavement transition or you know that stuff to and yeah and super sketch all
2: right well if that was not what happened i just watched this right before we recorded but if this did not happen please feel free to hit me up Bulletin at gmail.com no i probably happen i feel like i feel
1: like not knowing what i'm talking about <laughs> slightly different things and and that was just not on my radar that was not the one thing i was thinking about uh so what were you vibing on? What were you? Uh, what were I mean, you, Chuck, I was. I, I was also thinking course? like I don't even recognize this course. Um, I,
2: yeah, that, but that's I, kind of where I was at. Like I wouldn't like recognize
1: the course, right. If I just. And, but I also in. have a hard time like remembering a lot of courses. There's there's so many courses. It's really hard to. There's certain iconic features that definitely are burned in your head. But what I was thinking about over ISA, the course wise, it was still really challenging. It was up and down the entire time. And that when your first reaction was, this course is terrible, or I was like, actually it's pretty good. Like this is this is a really good race. And it provided for my immediate reaction post-race was like, absolute banger. Like this was a great race. Um oh, sorry, the men's was a great race. Um so yeah, I mean I think that I was just thinking at the end of the race, I was like, when it's when it's good, when Cyclocross is really good. It's like the best, it's like the best sport. Um, mountain biking the hardest. Road racing is maybe the coolest. But like cyclocross, like when it's like good, when it's good like this, it sh- it's just, just an amazing combination of, of all the, the various elements that like just, it rides a perfect line between like not super technical, but technical enough on the wrong, you're underbiked. And I, I don't know, I just, it made me really love cross. I know, every once a year every couple times a year there's a race like this that gets me so stoked on Cyclocross. And I just get like overjoyed and I had to go to the Slack and, and talk about it. And we were we were talking about it. And like I, I feel like maybe you had a race like that in Kings, and so I was glad I was able to watch one um on TV on Sunday. I think you're right. I mean, I think we, you know, if you look at
2: the course of a season, there's a lot of just not memorable races, right? There's the races where someone won and you're like, Oh, that's cool. But the, uh, yeah, the reason that we watch, I think that's the reason we watch sport in general is like, you put up with a lot of regular season, whatever's for like those moments of, of greatness, those transcendent moments. And we remember races like, like D oh. last year, <laughs> you know, like that was worth an entire yeah. cycle cross se- to me, entire cycle cross season of watching races to get to watch that race. You know what I mean? And I totally agree with you. Um, but Bodie, we're like two out of three so far this year. Berengeren was a certified banger. This was a certified banger. Who's the for common element man. in there?
1: Like- Tebow. Tebow making it Te- Tebow making it good. I mean, like, so let's I mean, I think let's talk about you know, this came down to the the last lap. It came down one into the last corners, and we had a knockdown drag out fight where Tebow had crashed early on and Eli was at the front and then Tebow had to come all the way back. And then they were, they were, they, they were, there was four of them and there was team tactics and they were, Mikey would go and Lars would go and Tebow would crawl it back and Ellie would crawl it back. And they were just on their hands and knees. And it comes down to the last part of the lap and Tebow makes an inside pass um, and doesn't succeed like Clara. And, you know, I just he's, he's he's making it exciting and I don't know if I just noticed it because someone pointed it out, but you the fans were clapping uh in Belgium. It it looked like there was more excitement and three riders, you know, two sauces, one lions is not as was never was what we always had and now we have four of them, two and two, and it's just it's raised the bar so well. And the other thing I said was I don't really care when the big three come back. And I've said this before. Like I really enjoy this part. They're like, there's this part of the season where we have these guys and it's, it's really good right now. It's like the, the, the peak of the Ellie, Mikey Lars that we can have right now. And it's, it's on top form. So I, I hope this continues on. Um, wow. And, and Vanderpool can just rest up guys. You, you've got a, you've got a long road season. Just, chill out. I'm okay with it. I I think we're going to... I think we're going to have quite the rivalry between Ailey and
2: Tebow. I mean, I think Tebow has really indicated that he's leveled up and Ailey is hungry as always. I mean, he was... Ailey was not happy with how World Cup Waterloo went. And I think we even had like a commenter on their bulletin story with the interview. And to be credit, he he did indicate that he was super stoked that there's fresh blood. He was like, we need fresh. He said fresh faces. Um, you know, super stoked, but he was pissed. And like he really wanted to win that race. And so you saw it. He was stoked when he won that race. Like more emotion than you've seen from Ailey. Um, again, he's just doing everything to become the most likable, unlikable guy in sport. Like I just, you know, he's really making that play. But you could tell that that race meant a lot, and that win meant a lot. And I, it was interesting knowing who won and seeing how it played out because he went hard. Like I mean, buddy, what did what did you guys think? Did you? I mean, he
0: went hard. It was just like when Tebow came back. You're like, oh boy, Ali's in trouble. A couple notes here. First off. I hope you all noticed Ailey like those shoes came out of the box that morning. (laughs) Like that was a brand new, fresh pair of shoes. They were just like shiny white. Like there were, there was going to be no shoe incidents during this race. I he's, he's going to be, he's going to be doing the Jordan for now on like those are going into the locker and he's leaving. And then some kids just going to come in there and be able to, to pick them up before, you know, Jordan figured out he could sell them. Uh, Th- that's i like this though i like
2: that like the like the Giannis, giving away shoes they should start giving away pairs of shoes after you're saying every you race.
0: don't need to break in them but I, like <laughs> <laughs> I i they i mean either that or you did a really nice job cleaning them up but they they were just sparkly fresh that's that i i did notice that uh, second little point i want to because you you mentioned the sort of uh, abbreviated pinwheel or what is uh, <laughs> carousel, carousel. I, I have a I have a proposal for that. The uh uh the the um Taijitu. It's a Taijitu. That's the yin and yang symbol.
1: So I was wondering I, if that's I was where going it's yeah, the cancer yeah. symbol and carousels are a cancer on cross. So No, I like Taijitu. It's it's
0: it's uh it's, you know We're going really, really like to be Do, do a, we really hate that feature? I thought it was fine like that. I think it's it it's sort of, you know, was, it was a nothing feature got him into the got him in the sand here. Uh, and before we talk about that last thing, this was my th- just because I was thinking about this when I was uh, watching the race. Here's here's my trivia question for you. you this is just just write off. You can't you can't just like just blurt it out. You know, just first thought, best thought. Who was the Belgian national champion on the men's side? Sweek, uh, Mikey V. Yeah.
2: Wait, Mikey who, V. One? Yeah, Mikey yeah. V.
0: Oh, yeah. Because I was like, you'd never see the Belton national champion. Who won? And yeah, I had to go back and look. I was Euro. like, oh, yeah, he, he won all the jerseys. He was collecting jerseys. Yeah. 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 I mean, might, well, part of me was like, Europe. well, did Wout win it? Was Wout there last year collecting jerseys? But no, it's uh, Mikey V, all the jerseys. So if we can, like, do, do a little
2: analysis. I feel yeah. like some other podcasts do analysis. I'll Wait, offer some so other podcasts. One, my, one my one witty us. thing.
1: We do the analysis. So go ahead.
2: I think there's some that, yeah, I've heard there's others that overanalyze. Uh, people
0: have said that we're no, a little too, no, no, no it's, it's pronounced, pronounced over. <laughs> okay. I
1: over.
2: I Okay. So we talked about GC Lars. I felt like when Tebow got, had his incident, there was a moment where GC Lars just looked lost. Cause Pim Ronhar wasn't there. And there was like our guy, uh, you know, um, Kuiper's, you know, he was up in there. He had some Kevin Kuhn. He looks around and he's like, There's literally no one for me to work for. <laughs> and he just looked kind of lost. He was like hanging out in that group. I don't, just something I noticed because, uh, I mean, I think like that's what he does. Um, but, I guess I was a little. It was interesting watching the tactics at the end. Um, so Ailey got some second legs. You know, he. It looked like he just kind of was like, "I want to avoid the sprint. I'm just going to go as hard as I can and keep Tebow. You know, behind me, especially if he gets in front of me, I'm not winning a sprint." Um, but it, it it was interesting to see if what Mikey V was going to do because he was like basically on. Um, he was on Tebow's wheel and I thought he would maybe try to do a little bit more to try to like be in second position even and kind of like block some of these corners and Tebow to his credit. There was the one where they either rode or dismounted on that tight turn where Lars was doing the old, the old grab the, the tri post and sling around, um, where you know i think tebow wrote it actually the last step and mikey v was on the inside and tebow was able to accelerate to the exit um knowing that he had to be in front of him and knowing that he was going to do there so it was kind of like and then it got really high speed and i guess to mikey to his credit did not try to do anything sketch on these like really high speeds somewhere on like pavement and stuff like trying to mess with him but it seemed like there were some opportunities there where you know one more pedal stroke, and maybe Mikey V could have really gummed things up by keeping Tebow off of that second position. So to me, it was interesting
0: watching that little battle going on. Yeah, I thought he did a nice job, Tebow, closing the door right where yeah. you're talking about that, where he came around that second second gate and was able to keep him off. And I think by that oh, time, perfect. Yeah, yeah, he was able to then accelerate, and I don't think uh, Van Tornout had that same acceleration, so he wasn't there. So then it, it brings up the, the next... Set of questions. So Tebow's back on Ailey's wheel, coming into these last couple features before the sprint. This not a really big sprint, so right. So that's probably what figured into this. We're always talking about the sprint before the sprint before the sprint. And I think in Ailey's mind, it was that section, like in that last little off camber, he wanted to be ahead. But but Michael, this is my question for you we we've decided he's faster a faster sprinter we saw Berengjen did he need to make that move i mean it went down to a road section that was a good 30 seconds out from the finish could he have just like stayed on that wheel
1: and and still gone around him i mean yeah i mean he could have he could have but i, I literally just just watched it right now and it's it's not like he does a huge sprint to come around Ellie and jump in front. He's like, he's kind of there already. So he's like, yeah, like he, he wants to go to the front and he wants to get, but he, well, he, he chose a line that was not the line. He chose a line that was not the line for right. speed he was taking. Yeah. I mean, I think that if he yeah. was trying to, yeah, do, did he need to do that? Probably not, but he did. And I think he, after the way he raced, he like, he wanted to be aggressive, and he wanted to take it to Ellie. And I, Are we second-guessing the decision? I don't know. Did, did he second-guess it? I'm curious, because I didn't actually read. No,
0: I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I was just sort of setting it up to say I don't second-guess it at all, because I think nine times out of ten, he pulls that off, and then we're like, this guy's a god. Right. Look at that incredible move that he made. Only he can do that. It's just at this time it went wrong. That would be my kind of overanalysis of this. Is that yes, Zach?
2: Zach disagrees. <laughs> I think. I think that Aleezer B would not have left that line open if it was rideable. If more than
0: well, it, pulling off a baller move, left I don't it think, open. Or he, he was just doing because everything? He was
2: on the line. Right. That
0: was the line.
2: Well, but if but if there was if there was a high odds of riding that line, you know, like the, the move that Clara made, she knew that inside line was rideable. Like she could do that and do it relatively safely. It didn't have to be like a balls out, god like you know god tier performance to take that line. Because I, I saw him, I'm like, what does he do? Really? Like, um, you know, just and you look then you look at the camera cuts to the exit, and you're like, that was not. A rideable line. So I don't know. Vanderpool could have pulled it off. Do we? Do we? So you're saying you think Tebow is at Vanderpool levels of of
0: skill? I just. Van told me I'm not allowed to compare them. Okay. Oh. All right. No. Well, not me. Not me. uh, He told the world that. I'm just part of the (laughs) world.
2: Oh, I thought maybe it was yeah. while you were playing hockey with him that he told you that. So I thought he you actually pulled had me some, aside and <laughs> said,
0: do not compare those two. You.
2: you I know who you are. I've been podcast. on your podcast. Yeah, i I know that you have yeah. those videos. Anyway, I just don't think if it was a high probability line, I don't think that Ailey would have left that door open. I think he's too smart of a racer and he wanted to win that race too okay. bad.
1: Okay. I, I think I That's think that take. Ellie was at his absolute limit and was riding the line that he thought was good and was pretty shocked that Tebow came in on the in that side there and it was it was like two seconds later, dude. And you got me beat. <laughs> I, I, what's interesting is like it's Hang so on. reminiscent of of Sven and uh, Stebar at at Worlds, and of course the Nye's position was switched, and Stebar crashes, and Sven goes around him and, and, and wins. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it it was a thrilling race. It, whether or not Tebow should have made that move, it provided for much excitement. I watched the race earlier in the day. My girlfriend went on a bike ride. She came home later, and she was like, "Oh, I should I watch the race?" I'm like, "Yeah, you should watch it." And So I'm in my office editing, working, and and I and I hear her go, "Oh, oh, oh my gosh, oh!" Like all the reactions that I had had earlier by myself watching it, and I was like, "Yeah, it was a good race. Yeah, love it." Do do you do you think uh, that
0: Lars had any apprehension in taking the third spot?
1: No, not at all. Because
0: they're both like kind they of were, soft pedaling around were, that that was last one, last turns. And then Lars was like, "Well, dude, if you're done racing, I'm I'm gonna just take these couple extra Lars years." Lars also
1: here. crashed too, which is funny. They both
0: went down. Yeah, he was like, he had some dirt on his shoulder yeah. for sure. Yeah, the, so. A good race. I
2: but I feel like that's the, the that's the, the spoils that go to the super domestique, right? Like he did his work and he did what he needed to. He put in some attacks, he closed down some gaps and you know, Tebow didn't have it. He's the I mean it's pretty clear that Tebow is the he's the piece. He's the G C rider and so you know, yeah, I think Lars deserved it. Like
0: Cameron Mason making a good splash for the uh, Cyclocross Reds showing up and uh pulling off a fifth
1: place which yeah is nice. him so, he had a really good battle with nice. Kuiper's they were going back and forth yeah the entire race and we didn't get to see like every time we had the camera switch them a different one of them would be in front and then you're <laughs> like what like what is going on so yeah Mason Strong Gerben Kuiper Zach we were talking off in the green room last week about him and like he he's my man now I'm all in on Gerben Kuiper
2: yeah Dude, Gerby everyone I, I can only imagine what Gerby's fan club is like that if there was if I was in Europe, I would be in the Gerben Kuipers fan club that guys on the up and up doing great stuff. And you know, I mean, dude was like working a job last year while racing elite cyclocross. So exciting to see, it looks like a great battle. Um, between them, and I, I think it's kind of interesting to see uh, Marty's homerism too with Cam Mason. He's like, "Yeah, I've been watching this guy forever," and it's like, "I know everything about this guy." So I appreciate the I appreciate the uh,
0: the homerism there. Well, we need the vlog back too. I mean, I, I don't know if they you know he needs to. That's how we all know about him. So, broadcast corner, real quickly. I like the FPV drone. I'm fine with it. However, I want to rule that you're only allowed to do the FPV drone on a solo rider once that's kind of your limit just following him down that corridor cool i like it i like the shot it's neat but then i don't need that every lap when 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 he dropped behind like a group of two or three right then i'm in yeah that that's what i want because then we can actually see some dynamics in 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 the group but um yeah Interesting too, Bodhi, uh to get really in the weeds on on this. The uh, DJI kind of like consumer FPV drone. Is like, that this what that was? Pro FP, yeah, not like pro FPV uh, drone operator with uh, you know the the DIY. I
1: was wondering. Shit. I was like trying because I had that one shot where it was behind Ellie, and I was like, "Is that a GoPro on there? Like, what are they what are they using?" <laughs> I have a I have a broadcast corner thing. We talk a lot about like why don't. They ever show? Why don't they do picture-in-picture split screen? Riders off the front, the women's race, fems off the front. Like, let's just sort of let's put her in the top corner. Let's put another square. Let's see the battle for second or third. Never see it in cross races. Like the technology is there. It's not like a limitation.
0: We know they have picture-in-picture because we used to get the interviews from That's the right. pits in the picture-in-picture.
1: Yeah. Okay, so maybe that that might take down my theory my theory was is there some contract with these sponsors that you were gonna you're gonna pay so much money to be on the banners and that when the broadcast when you're like on the shot you're you're so much percentage of the screen so you can't we can't have your you 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 know the shot of you your banners be very small like we always have to occupy 90 percent of the screen that's I'm just trying to figure out why they don't do that. That's a theory I came up with. Is anybody out there in the bulletin CX here's land? I, I, I think they don't do it because it's more work <laughs> and they never did it.
0: Okay. Well And it seems to work it seemed to be fine, except for this handful of Americans <laughs> that want to get
1: all like complainy. You know, there's a lot of things that the NCL did not do right, but the very last NCL race I watched, they did picture in picture very well. And I was like, thank you. That's how you do it.
0: You did. You did mention uh, the uh, Fem Van Empel off the front so quickly, and the reason you know we're not going to talk about it. It was it wasn't that exciting of a race. Fem Van Empel won. She's um, better than everybody else at cyclocross right now. Uh, Alvarado is second, Vanderheiden third, Worst fourth, Van Elfen fifth, Betsema back sixth, Leona Benfeld seventh, Helene, Helene Clozel. She, she took the flag, flipped it on the side. First non non-Dutch coming in there in eighth place. Anna Kaye, she took the flag and just put all these different diagonal things in there. And then uh, uh,
1: uh, Laura Verdon shot the first non-red, white, and blue flag in 10th uh, place. That's my breakdown of the yeah, women's race. first Belgian. Uh, ends her winning streak with six. It's great. 10th uh, place. She was stoked about that. Um, Bill, Zach, who's the greatest cycloc- racer, cyclocross racer in the world right now? Feminine apple. Yeah,
0: I agree. <laughs> yeah, I agree too. I like it. I'm glad we brought right. it back. I think we did it. Anything else we need to cover here in the world of the cyclocross? I'm going to be heading up, um, God, it seems like tomorrow. Uh, I just want to sleep. Uh, yeah, Thursday, heading up to Falmouth. Final round of the USCX. Really rad. So I'll be up there for that. And um, yeah, anything else going on? What's going on in the Real international cup, world?
1: Massa Mecklen, next round. Oh, Moss Mechlin. coming back. Yeah, supposedly there've been changes.
0: I don't know if that means they got rid of all the shale or whatever it was that was giving everybody flats. But is Moss Mechlin the the one with
1: the mirrors? Okay, yes. That was. I feel like I like that course. That that was the Sweet win, and that was the Sheeran win, right? I I think that it was a fun one to watch. Everybody hated
0: racing it. Yes, I remember that now. I'm
2: impressed that you remember any of the World Cups from last year. I was there. That's why I remember that one. Well, Bodie remembers. Yeah. What? Well, I was Bodie impressed that too. Yeah. Well, normally that's
0: my job. is he being like, oh, he, you know, okay, who yeah, won that blah, was blah, blah,
2: 2021. Like, he
0: doesn't. He doesn't have
1: jazz musician Tom Scott taking up room <laughs> in his head. Yeah, I've, I have Lauren Sweek starts his World Cup uh, run at Masa Mechlin last year. Big dub, big dub for the for the week man. Nice. Andrew Stromer will be there racing that
0: one. alright right, uh, I'll I'll talk to y'all next week.